This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we go, kicking off hour number two of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920, Demon Cotton and your boy Q. And we're kicking off hour number two with Austin Meek from The Athletic. He covers Michigan like a glove, does a fantastic job. And Austin, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. We do appreciate you. And, of course, if I talk Michigan, i got to talk Jim Harbaugh. The, the name started swirling weeks ago. Uh, the rumors started swirling weeks ago. And it really kind of ramped up a little bit more yesterday. Bruce Feldman put out, I believe, his second report saying that uh, Harbaugh would be interested and take the Raiders job if it was offered to him but I don't really just think it's that easy and that cut and dry so I wanted to get to the source I wanted to get to you and see what you had to think about it uh, as far as Jim Harbaugh in Michigan and their their connection right now and what they're doing as far as trying to renegotiate a contract or p- potentially get a new contract uh, where are they where's Michigan and Jim Harbaugh at right now So we've reported that that there have been some productive conversations between Jim Harbaugh and Michigan about a long-term extension. And Jim Harbaugh signed a contract uh, at Michigan just a year ago. Uh, they're really back in the same place they were after last season. The difference is after last season, the speculation was that Jim Harbaugh might get fired. And the speculation is that he might go to the NFL. He ended up signing a contract last year that paid him $4 million a year made him one of the lowest-paid coaches in the in the Big Ten, which I think was probably a tough pill for Jim Harbaugh to swallow as a guy who has accomplished so much in the game of football. But he did it. He swallowed his pride. He came back to Michigan and led Michigan to the best season that they've had in a long time. And I think now he feels like after that, he's in a position of strength to do what he wants to do, whether that's sign a long-term deal at Michigan or look at his NFL options. You know, people have said that, uh, that he might feel a desire to go back to the NFL at some point. My personal feeling was that after the, the season that Michigan just had, winning the Big Ten and finally beating Ohio State, that it would be tough for him to leave that right now. But it also might be his best chance and maybe his last chance if that's something he wants to do. So I think he's going to take his time with this and look at all of his options before he makes a decision. You know, one of the things that I was saying, and I even started off the show saying that right now he's in a position where he can use the Raiders as leverage as he wants to against Michigan. And I don't mean him in particular. I mean his agent could use the Raiders or any other NFL team for leverage, saying that, hey, they really want Jim Harbaugh, and he's really interested in going back to the NFL. Uh, when you hear these reports, do you think that it leans more towards leverage, or do you think there may be something to the smoke that's out there? You know, Jim Harbaugh is kind of a weird guy. He's hard to read for sure. I mean, I, I don't know anybody who's really inside his mind and, and knows what he's thinking uh, all the time. You know, in the past, he hasn't had an agent. I think he's got somebody working on his behalf now on his contract with Michigan. Uh, but typically, he hasn't been, you know, the guy who, like, always has somebody out there talking on his be- behalf, trying to put his name out there for a bunch of jobs. You know, the speculation with him is, is always just, will he go back to the NFL, which I think is just such a natural question uh, because he didn't have so much success with the 49ers. So could it be leverage? You know, 
to me, it, it, it is more about Jim Harbaugh making it known um, that he is in a position of strength here because he was in a position of weakness last year. Right. He had no other options except to sign that contract and go back to Michigan. So I do think that Jim Harbaugh is letting everybody know right now um, that he's still in demand. You know, he's still Jim Harbaugh. People still want to hire him. I think he, I think he likes at some level making sure that, that people understand that. Talking right now with Austin Meek from The Athletic here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And uh, I was reading in your piece that Jim Harbaugh has a clause in his contract where he can't talk to any NFL teams without the AD knowing or he could be fired for cause, which probably wouldn't happen anyway. But if you get fired for cause, as we know, you know, you'll, you don't get your, your money. You know, you get fired, you don't get anything. So uh, if there's anything going on, any kind of flirtation or talks with any NFL teams, the AD would know about it at this point, right? I, that's my understanding, yeah. And it's my understanding also that that's an NFL policy. Uh, that the NFL team has to inform the athletic director, has okay. to get permission in order to conduct an interview as well. So, yeah, I think Jim Harbaugh's contract that for any job, whether it's an NFL job, uh, you know, even if it were a college job, uh, he would have to uh, make sure that the athletic director knows about that or, or he could be fired for cause. You know, the way I interpret that is basically just, you know, it's kind of a message from the school to say, like, hey, these rumors seem to come up every year, and there's always this speculation around Jim Harbaugh, and publicly Jim Harbaugh doesn't, he's not the kind of guy who's going to just come out right away and put a lid on it. Like, it's been, you know, three weeks now of this, and Jim Harbaugh hasn't said anything about it. He's just kind of let it hang out there, which is totally his M.O. And I just think the message from the school is like, you know, you, whatever you say publicly, like, you need to keep in the loop. And, you know, we don't want to be in the position you know, where everybody else is is trying to, like, sort out what's real and what's not. I, I think that, you know, last year when, when Michigan was in a position of strength with Jim Arbaugh, part of their message was, we're going to bring you back, but we also want you to keep us informed about what's going on because we don't want to every year end up in the situation where there's just all these rumors and speculations. Yeah, Austin, uh, one thing that I've been seeing, conflicting reports that Jim Harbaugh, you know, he wore out his welcome in San Francisco, even though he got the results, and he's not as much as a control freak as he was when he's in San Francisco of all the years that he's been in Michigan. Has that bit of his personality changed a little bit, or is he still the same guy that he was when he was coaching in the NFL? I do think Jim Harbaugh evolved in some pretty important ways this season. And he had to because Michigan was two and four last year, and, and players said openly that it was a really bad vibe around the program. Nobody had any fun playing for Jim Harbaugh last year, <laughs> and they all realized that they needed to make some changes. And so, one of the things that Jim Harbaugh did was he really empowered his players to take a bigger leadership role of the team, bigger ownership of the team. Um, you know, I, I think he, I think he took a little bit of a step back this year. I mean, he's always going to be intense. You know, his his core personality is not going to change. Hmm. But I do think this year he was able to give over a little bit more control of the team to his players uh, and to his assistant coaches. And I think that that really, I think that was a big part of the turnaround that Michigan had. And you know, I, I think he's still probably a little bit conflicted. You know, there are probably some things where his, his impulse is to kind of go back to that kind of old-school football coach that he's always been. 
And I'm sure that if he does go back to the NFL, that will still be part of, of his approach. But I do think he has been able to also evolve and, and change with some time, change with the times in some ways that, uh, you know, that, that helped Michigan have a really good season this year. Talking all things Jim Harbaugh right now with Austin Meek from The Athletic here on Raider Nation Radio 920. We got a text message uh, from one of our great listeners that said, and I saw this report a little earlier today, is Jim Harbaugh really leaving Michigan if he just hired a defensive coordinator? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I did see that that new D.C. got hired, or a defensive line coach got hired. Yeah, Michigan just hired uh, a guy named Mike Elston who played at Michigan and was a defensive line coach at Notre Dame with Brian Kelly. Had been had been a Brian Kelly guy. Uh, going back to Cincinnati and even Central Michigan, you know that was everybody's first thought when Michigan made that hire. Is well, if Jim Harbaugh uh, is is able to hire a guy like that to his staff, it probably means that he's not leaving. Um, you know, the, part of the thing is like you guys know this with coaches, like they will do the job that they have right up until the minute that they don't have that job. It's true. You yeah. know, like yeah. these college coaches will be like sitting at the table, the dinner table, with recruits. Um, you know, recruiting for one school, and then they'll leave, and they'll you know immediately go to the next school, and that's you know that's how they are. So, I, I don't think it necessarily means that you know Jim Arbaugh couldn't possibly leave Michigan because he made that hire, but I do think it is a sign that he is actively making plans to be the coach at Michigan next season, um, and you know that's certainly an option for him, and that may be how it ends up ends up going but I don't think he's totally closed that door yet on the NFL. Let me ask you this. Uh, you talked about $4 million is basically what he made last year, which made him one of the lowest paid uh, college coaches in, in, in the game. What do you think it would take for him to stay there? What kind of pay uh, bump do you think he's looking for? You know, there were a couple contracts in the Big Ten that really reset the market this year. Mel Tucker at Michigan State got a deal it's basically $9.5 million a year yeah. for 10 years. James Franklin at Penn State got a deal that I want to say puts him up at like seven and a half or eight million. You know, I think eight million is kind of the, you know, that's the number that I would start with. That's what Jim Harbaugh was making before his pay cut. Um, so I think that if, you know, if you use like that $8 million number as a starting point and then you add on the incentives, like he has in his deal now, you know, his current contract is very incentive driven. Um, so if, if you put the salary back where it was and keep some of those incentives, then I would think that you're in the ballpark. Um, but it's definitely, I mean, the market's changed a lot in the big 10. Uh, and I think Jim Harbaugh could certainly make the case that he deserves to be paid right up there with, with the highest paid coaches in the big 10. All right, Austin, I'm the guy on the show that likes to take it left field. Oh, no. Okay, Buckle so, up. So, you know, I was getting, <laughs> doing some research on the show, you know, and I see your Twitter. And um, it's something about you being a Father John Misty fan. You're a dedicated Father John Misty's fan. Which okay. favorite song? Because I am, too. Oh, all right. Favorite song. Oh, man. Uh, probably Hollywood Cemetery. Uh, going back to the, uh, the, uh, the first album, you know that song? Uh, that's kind of that's when I got into it. Um, so yeah, he's, man, I, it's it's rare that I meet uh, another uh, Father John Misty fan. I've actually seen him live uh, once or twice. Which is, if you haven't done that, I uh, I strongly encourage it. Yeah, new album coming out this year, so I hope he goes on tour. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, that's right, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Don't encourage him. <laughs> oh, man. Don't Father encourage him, please. You will listen to it after the show, <laughs> and we're going to get deep. Uh, we're going to get spiritual. We're going to go there. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> 
Look, Austin, let me tell you, this guy goes to Taco Bell and gets wings. So, I mean. Oh, Austin, also in this little article there, it said, like, if you also like Father John Misty, you'll eventually ro- watch all of the Rock movies. Are you a fan of The Rock? <laughs> you know, I have to say that. I mean, that whole article is great. It's fun. It was hilarious. That one didn't quite, I didn't feel like that one quite got it. Uh, there was something about kayaks, too. I don't own a kayak, uh, and I'm not the biggest rock fan in the world, uh, but a lot of those were really funny. Uh, yeah, if people haven't read that article, I, I was laughing. It, it really uh, it nailed it on a lot of those. I thought we were about to become best friends because I am also a huge rock fan. You don't want to be thought, best friends I, with I him. I thought we were about you to like seal it in right there. You don't want to be best friends with him. <laughs> He's got problems. He's got emotional problems, Austin. That's why I listen to Father John Misty. Anywho. <laughs> All right. Well, let me get focused here because you guys have lost me, but it's okay. Austin, I'm going to wrap this up with this, and I do appreciate your time, man. This has been fantastic. Let me ask you this. What's your gut feeling? Where's Jim Harbaugh? What sideline is he on in the fall? Is it Ann Arbor or is he in Las Vegas? My gut feeling throughout the process has been that he's probably going to be back at Michigan. I'm not as confident about that as I was at the beginning of it. Okay. And I think that if he does get an offer from, from the Raiders, I think there's a very strong chance that he takes it. I just haven't seen yet anybody really be able to substantiate that that offer is going to come. Uh, to me, that's the part that I'm still trying to figure out is, are the Raiders ready and willing to give him what he wants and basically you know, give him the keys to the franchise and say, you're our guy? And right. if they are, I think he'd probably do it. I'm just not sure about that yet. You know what? I'm glad you said that. How much power do you think it would take? You know, Because right now they're, they're having some GM uh, interview conversations, but how much power do you think it would take? Would he, 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 would he be a guy that would be able to go in there and be the head coach and have the GM have more power than him? Or would it have to be kind of Gruden-like where Gruden had more say than the GM did before he left? I think hiring Jim Harbaugh as your head coach without a GM that he has either handpicked or somebody he trusts and, and knows right. would not be a good idea. I, I think you know maybe he could work for a GM, but it would have to be somebody that he had a really high trust level because we saw what happened with the 49ers. Yeah. Like trying to put him in a situation where he's working for somebody that he doesn't completely trust I think would be a bad idea. Yeah, it feels like one. It feels like one. So it's going to be interesting how it shakes out. Uh, my gut feeling tells me he's going to be in Ann Arbor uh, next fall, and he'll be coaching for Michigan. But that's just my gut feeling. And, again, we'll wait to see how everything shakes out. But, Austin, you do a great job covering Michigan from all angles. Uh, I do appreciate you. And if Damon hits you up on some rando stuff, I apologize in advance because he's just that kind of dude. <laughs> hey, when, that, when uh, Father John Misty goes out on tour, we're going to have to uh, we're gonna have to see a show, man. Oh, I can't wait. I'm glad you said it because like, that's why I had to ask. I was like, he likes Father John Misty too? Q, like he said, this doesn't happen often. Can you hear how excited he gets? Man, this is unbelievable. All right, well, there you go. You guys are brothers from other mothers. You guys can link up whenever you want and share a good – what is this guy's name, Father John Misty? Yes. Okay, you can share mystery stories or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, Austin, thank you so much, man. We do appreciate you. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. There he goes. Now he's going to hang up and be like, I don't know what the hell I just talked to. Who the hell I just talked to? That was probably the craziest interview he's ever had. Oh, I could tell that little when he said he doesn't talk about this often, you know, because it's just like, hey, man, we're rare. So do you want? No, you don't want to. I, I, I don't even know who this is. Uh, we can come back with him from the, from the break. Well, what kind of artist is he first? Intrigue me. Um, Let's say like a uh, spiritual, like, you know. Let's Kirk say, Franklin? No, no, not like not like that. But if someone was just like MC Hammer? No. 
if let's say those type of people, they were just like, man, I was in I was in the desert and I went on a spiritual trip. He would be the soundtrack. Bob Marley. Yeah, but um, let's say a white version. Oh, he's a white dude. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. So he's a rocker or no? What kind of what? what, what where you get I, this? It's so hard to explain them. Because Obviously, because I have no just, idea. The music just speaks to you. Q, that's all I gotta say. I can no, say no, after the uh, show, you're doing a terrible job explaining. After the show, Q, we can just we can you know put the headphones on, jam out. And Has he it. got some like Dell the Funky Homo Sapien type stuff to him? No, nah, it's more of just like let's say like like soft, I, I like a lot of different music. Yeah, let's just say get like, me in that world. It's like not soft, Guns and Roses. No, like soft ballads, but you know like the lyrics or like the guy with the the long hair who plays the guitar, Kenny G. No, he plays the saxophone. Sorry. Yeah, but it's you know it's gonna be soft, you know, but um. I don't want anything soft if I'm walking through the desert. Yeah, but it's also, you know, you're going to be thinking about existentialism and, you know, like your existence on this earth. 318 is the time. That $50 yeah. word that he just used. We're going to have to take a break with that. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Black is turning blue. Twenty-two is the time. Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. Unnecessary roughness. That there is the sounds of Father John Misty. Okay, I like that. He kind of has a uh, a monkey's feel. Good stuff. Right? Kind of like I'll say it's okay. I, I might be able to get used to that. Like I said, I like all kind of different music. You know, who I'm a big fan of. That sounds good. I like that part. That sounds good. Do you know who I'm a big fan of? And I don't even know if he's still putting out music. And I got to shout out my man Gary Archer in the Bay. Uh, he put me up on this guy first, um, the Sober Junkie. Matter of fact, he lived here in Las Vegas for a while. The Sober Junkie was awesome. That's a great name. Yeah, yeah. He had a real problem uh, with addiction. Oh. And then he got sober, and that's how he became the Sober Junkie. I'm intrigued. If somebody was just like, yeah, the Sober Junkie is going to be performing. Yeah. Like, I never he actually him, was but, from uh, Vegas. He was from Vegas. I put him on in Texas all the time. He was good stuff. But, yeah, shout out to my guy Gary Archer. He uh, he uh, he put me up on him. Um, we got a text, 69187, keyword R&R, bruh. Father John Misty is indie, ultimate, alternate rock, experimental. If you put that on the station, Raider Nation about to find themselves in outer, outer space. <laughs> so not just outer space, but outer, outer space. My favorite song is uh, Pure Comedy, but I was just like, nope, that song is too dark. It's too... Yeah, I was like, no, nah, I can't play that one. Q's gonna, he's going to look at me sideways. I would. I would. Uh, got another text from uh, Raider Richie in Arizona. I could just picture DeMond at a sweat lodge in Sedona, Arizona with those jams. All right. You, you you go to many sweat lodges? Uh, no, but I do like the sauna after a good workout. All right. Just sitting there, boom. Fair enough. East Bay Raider Gray, the artist DeMond is talking about sounds like a white PM Don. Remember PM Don? No. Oh, okay. Well, PM this, Don, this is, that, con- is, that, is, that, this, is that 80s? This conversation just took a real bad turn. Is you that, don't know. You don't know PM Don. Oh, you got The Weeknd de- just released an album, Don FM. Oh, my goodness. Wonder if there's any correlation there. Raider Jay from Sacramento said, What the hell is this music genre? This generation just complicates things. Keep it simple, bro. Yeah, I just pulled out my get on my yard card. Raider Jay, with him <laughs> not knowing who PM Dawn is, that, that just lets you know that he is way too much of a new booty. You need to do some research. Like, ah, don't you worry. Like, I'm, willing, I'm willing to open up my mind and, and, and uh, listen and evaluate what I'm listening to. But if you don't know who PM Don is, you got to do some work. All right, PM Don, we got a top song on Apple Music, I Die Without You. Duh. 
Uh, duh. Well, I, well, I've never heard I mean, of, I, well, didn't, I didn't know who they were a minute ago. Hey, man, PM Don is awesome. PM Don is fantastic. Not saying they aren't. Someone else said, watch it be Post Malone, LOL. <laughs> Big Deuce said, like when the Beatles went to India. I like that. Oh, uh, yeah. Raider J in Sacramento says, someone on shrooms. <laughs> Kevin, who said, hashtag Team Damon. My man, Kevin. I'll be your friend, Damon. Cheering for the Titans now that the Raiders are out. Love the Rock, and Father John Misty is tight. We both agree Kansas sucks, and don't even get me started on Spider-Man. Kevin! <laughs> Team Damon, y'all. That's what he said. Tweet it up. That's what he said. All right, how about this one? It's a real one. Hey, Q and Damon, I hope all is well. Do you think the new head coach of the team, knowing how much they paid Gruden when they hired him, will ask for a good chunk of change? Um, yes, absolutely. I I don't think it's going to be ten million a year. But when we were talking to Austin about how much Harbaugh uh, could be possibly getting paid, and you know he's talking kicking around the numbers eight nine million dollars, I'm thinking, well, they pay Gruden ten. If I'm Harbaugh, I'm saying I'm not going in for anything less than that. I haven't thought about that. That somebody I, I seen what you paid the last guy, right? So you're gonna have to break me off something that's at least equal. I mean, a little bit less. At I least get me close. Yeah, get me in the ballpark. I didn't think that somebody else would be like. Yeah. So I see what y'all paying around here. Hey man, look, he's driving a Lambo. I want to be at least in a Ferrari. In it, yeah, you know what I mean? especially like if you're a hardball and you can, yeah. well, even though you didn't win the Super Bowl, but you can three NFC championships I mean, you've in a got, row, come yeah. on. I mean, he's got the skins on the wall to be able to command that. And that's from anybody. That's not just from the Raiders. He can, if the Bears want him, he can say, hey, all right, how much you going to pay me? There was a guy up in Vegas that just got paid 10. I want at least nine. 9.5. I've always been told to ask for more that you know that you're not going to get. And so when they when they cut you, cut you at the knees, it's not that bad. I should have done that when I went into negotiations for this job. <laughs> this job has cost me more money than I've made. <laughs> I'll take it, but we haven't even offered it. I know. I'll take it. <laughs> That's what happens when you get eager to want to do something. You Stop want to, talking right you now. You want to do it so bad that you just. You know what? You're not the only one. You know, pandemic, you know, I was bored out of my mind. You want, Damone, you want to work Raider Nation Radio. <laughs> you, you're darn right I do. Man, I was making more on unemployment. It's like uh, it's like what I tell uh, when uh, when I would sell Kirby's. Man, I would sell those Kirby's, and sometimes I would talk myself out of a sale because I'd keep talking and keep talking and keep talking. Sometimes you you would talk yourself into the sale, and then you keep talking yourself right about the sale. There was someone that needed to be there sometimes and be like, "Hit the red light, Q, hit the red light." You're already there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here he said, "Yes, he's got the checkbook out. You don't have to convince him to sign his name faster." Well, to be honest, this ain't even the best model. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, I don't want it. 702-365-9200. Let's quickly go out to the Bay. Lester in the Bay. What's on your mind, my man? Oh, he's not there. Nah, no Lester. Let's no Lester. <laughs> Let's go out to Passionate Raider. All right, Passionate Raider, you're up next. What's up, my man? What's happening, Q? What's happening to mine? Chilling, man. Man, man, you know, I'm just sitting here back here thinking about all this coaching stuff, man, but look at who's, look who slowly disappeared out of the limelight Why Jim's getting all this attention is Dabo. I don't know if it's still... If he's still in the mix, I don't know. Have you heard anything? But I know both of his assistants left in Clemson, and he was – I don't know. I, I, I think that might be a dark horse that might come up out of the, out of the woodwork because Jim- – All right. Uh, thank you for the call. I'll tell you right now, I don't think that, that uh, Dabo was ever in the mix. I, I, yeah, I really I, don't. I, I think people were – I think he wanted to see some former players right. play in Vegas. Dabo was here in Las Vegas because the College Football Hall of Fame was going on. They moved the ceremony from New York, and they, they entered two classes, and they did it here in Las Vegas. 
and he also came by to see his players and and be a part of that. And that's not the first time. I don't think he was ever in the mix. And we've had people on the show talking about. Uh, matter of fact, immediately after that, I had my uh, good friend Alexis on who covers Clemson, and I asked her straight up, "Hey, do you think he'd ever even want to leave Clemson to go to the NFL?" And she was like, "No way." Now that doesn't mean that he wouldn't. I just don't think. I honestly. Uh, passionate just to make it as, as quick as possible. I don't think that he was ever in the mix. I really don't. Yeah, that's. The, I think that was more fan generated than right. Dabo. That actually. was like, wow, we're all at Allegiant Stadium, and whoa, here's Dabo Sweeney on the on the field, and he's wearing Raider gear. Wow, that would be cool. And I'll, I'll admit, it would be cool. It would be cool. I don't think I so. like him. I like him as a head coach. I don't think he's an NFL coach. Nope. But I, I like him as a coach. I'm not saying he's gonna. I'm not. Saying, he's not gonna pull an Urban Meyer. But I also don't think that he'd be adept for being an <laughs> NFL coach. You know, probably like four weeks in, he'd be like, "Whoa, this is harder than I thought it was going to be." We got we got a text message. Anyone asking for ten million a year needs to turn over their emails immediately before signing. That should be the law from <laughs> now on. I think you got to do that due diligence anyway, right? At this point, you got to make sure that you know. Just like when I got this job, Natalie said, "Hey, uh, we got to do a background check on you." So if there's anything in your background that you might need to tell me about, tell me about now. Like, full disclosure right now, you have an opportunity to tell the truth. But who would think they would get the emails from the old job? Well. At this, well, of, of course, and that's, I'm sure that's something that nobody would ever admit, but with now that you know that, that that kind of thing is out there and that that could be a possibility, it might make you think twice. Let's say you 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 applying for a place and you just like, man, the boss, the boss, he dumb, boy, man, I'm going to get up in there, yeah, I'm going to change some things up, and then it's just like, oh, so you said all that, huh? But that's before I was working for you. <laughs> nah, 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 you said it. Right, right. Then, then you now you out on the street looking for a job, now you got to sue. Man, Gruden. Oh, this is a good one from Sir Whiskey Ray. Q and D. First the fat boys break up, and now this. All I can think of is Jay Z when he said that. First the fat boys break up. I'm, I'm breaking into that song, but then he said, "Now this. How does the not? How does Demond not know who PM Don is? Sincerely, Pager Guy. Rollerblades, Vegas Club, Momentum, and Neon Colors. Cheers, Sir Whiskey Ray. Well, you say first the fat boys break up. Now this. First thing I think of is Boomerang. You know, so uh, I think Jay Z. Well, see, I'm, see, that's Boomerang. What ninety two? I think so. Of Jay-Z. I mean, I know, so I know some old school stuff. I think Jay Z. I'm just trying to flex my old school bonafides. You, you don't have any old school muscles. I'm just saying. You don't have any old. Know, you have a, no old school muscles whatsoever. I know a thing or two. You don't. Again, when I say first thing, first the fat boys break up. I think of Jay Z immediately. You have seen the movie, right? I, Boomerang. Are you serious? Of course, I'm I've seen just, the movie. Just, maybe, maybe you don't know some stuff. I know it all. <laughs> I know it all. If it's old. <laughs> I can own that. If it's old, I know it. If it's new, I don't know it. I Dawn. can admit that. What was it, PM Dawn? Yeah. Who's up next? Who's up next? <laughs> we got Big Jose. Big Jose, what's on your mind? Hey, I just uh, I heard that interview, man, and I was listening. I go, what's this Father Missy stuff? So I went on YouTube real quick, and the song came up funny, girl, and I was like, oh, this is cool. I can get with this. This is dope. It was dope AF. <laughs> you know, but anyway... <laughs> It was, bro. It was. Okay, okay. I like hey, but it. I, uh, but I was thinking, hey, you know what thing that was underscored, that's been underscored this year, is the loss of Alec Ingold, man. Mm-hmm. And thinking that, you know, what his value was, especially that spider two-eye banana near the end zone play, I think he would have been, you know, he really would have helped us in the red zone. But what I really want to get at is all the Derek Carr detractors, and I just want to throw this at them. Remember Matt Flynn, Okay. <laughs> When you're trying to get rid of Derek Carr, he's like the, he's got what the most yardage from scrimmage under pressure. He's under pressure all the time, right? So you know, I mean, he's our quarterback. You can't. You, it's going to be hard to find somebody better. And I think you know they used to call a uh, Harbaugh uh, captain comeback, and then now they call Carr cardiac Carr. I think it'd be a good fit. And wouldn't it be wild 
if Jim Harbaugh came to Vegas and he brought um, Kaepernick as a quarterback coach, wouldn't that be wild? Just some thoughts from the Bay. Peace and much love. There he goes. Wild is the word. Big, <laughs> big Jose from the Bay. And uh, I think all the Kaepernick conversation is kind of uh, – Gone out the window, uh, and I was a guy that liked him. I'm not going to lie. I have no problem saying I like Cap a lot. I thought that he was blackballed by the NFL. I think we could all agree that. Uh, even if you don't want to agree with it, I think you should because it was a, it's a no-doubter. But, I mean, it is what it is. I think that that ship has sailed uh, for sure. I don't think he's going to do anything that has to do with the league at this point. But, uh, hey, you know, him and him and Nessa, they're doing their thing. Uh, Nessa used to work at Wild 94 back in the Bay. Uh, right, 94.9, excuse me, back in the Bay. Uh, now she's out there in uh, New York. What, Hot 97? Is that where she's at now, Hot 97? I think she is Hot 97. Yeah, I think so too. But anyway, uh, you did bring up Alec Ingold. I'm glad you did because he put out a, uh, a tweet today. Uh, says, it's been a blessing to share my adoption story and identity struggles with NFL Films. I hope you all can take the time to this video out and have a real conversation with someone close to you today. And it's about a seven, it's almost an eight-minute video, and, it's, and I, it was great. It was great, and it talks about his adoption story and how he felt like he wasn't good enough to, to be with his, his birth parents, and he had to be with his adopted parents and how great they were. And I think that that's, those kind of stories are awesome. So I quote tweeted and said, take the time and watch. Best thing you'll see on Twitter all day, which I promise you that's the best thing you'll see on Twitter all day. But it's only about an eight-minute video, and it really do- documents Alec Ingold's story. And I'll tell you, from this video that, that documents his story, to the piece that he put out on the Review Journal with Vinny Bonsignor uh, right when the season was getting wrapped up. I mean, Alec Engel is, he, he's, uh, you want to talk about a good dude? Just in general, not just a football player, a really good dude. A guy that really gives back to the community, cares about helping people grow. Uh, he's a captain of the team, so obviously he's, he, he's looked at as a leader. Remember, this is an undrafted free agent. This is a guy who thought he was going to work for corporate America and then all of a sudden got a call from the Raiders. That dude, and, and Josh Jacobs is in this piece and says he's the best fullback in football. And I, I don't disagree with him. And the one they have in, in San Francisco is a really good one. Really good one, even though they play in Santa Clara. But he, he's a really good one. But Alec Engel, I have no problem saying he's the best fullback in football either. I don't. On and off the field. So if you get an opportunity, uh, check out this story. It's uh, on NFL Films. Again, it's about eight minutes and it just documents Alec Ingold and his uh, his his life through adoption. You know, and his family that adopted him and took care of him, and you know, and all that good stuff. And, and that's that's some serious stuff, man. And and I, I say it to people all the time, and I don't think everyone understands me, but it doesn't take it doesn't take your your birth parents to raise a young man or a young woman or raise a child. It just takes love. That's it. It's simple as that. Uh, it doesn't matter if, you know, like I said, if it's your birth mother or your birth father, it doesn't matter who it is. It's just someone that's going to take the time to love you and raise you as their own. That's all that really matters at the end of the day. Let's go back out to the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. My guy Lester in the Bay is back on. What's up, Lester? Yo, too. Amen to that regarding Ingold and everybody else in those situations. Yes, sir. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, you know, real quick, you know, I'll tell you, I'm really, again, I'm, proud of this football team, man. These guys, after everything they went through, they finished strong, man. And I would think, you know, Coach Passaccio, whether or not he sticks around with us or not, you know, he, he shouldn't be paying for a meal again, right, guys in Vegas, so I would think. <laughs> no, no meals ever. He doesn't ever have to pay for a meal. That's what, like, one of my cousins told me that. He's like, praise, praise to that. But, uh, yeah, regarding the improvements, I mean, there's connections. I mean, Dodds and Harbaugh, they started out with the Raiders. So, hopefully, I think Mark Davis, he knows his history. So, Hopefully that would be a pretty good combination, in my opinion. Who knows if it's going to happen or not? Um, but I-, I love to see that. As everybody else knows, we got to improve at the right tackle position, um, and also probably add a couple guards just to compete with Simpson and Leatherwood. 
uh, because we got to get some big uglies down there. We got to really do better at the offensive line. I think we can do an outside linebacker to pair with Perryman and also Diablo. Cornerback, hopefully we keep Casey Hayward. He's more of a zone guy, so it's going to depend on the, the, you know, the next defensive coordinator, if it's Gus Bradley or who knows. Fangio to follow Harbaugh, if that happens, who knows. But, you know, there's a right tackle in the draft called Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa. He's a beast, and I think he would fit great as a right tackle for the Raiders. So there's somewhere to look at. But, you know, the key thing is whoever the next GM guys, they got to draft properly, right? We can't mm-hmm. be missing on first-round picks anymore, plain and simple. Agreed. They just can't do it. They have got to have a modern view of things, and they be able to work the board and wheel and deal when they don't see. No, don't overreach when it comes to drafting. That's the key. Don't reach for players that in need positions, and don't reach for players that aren't as good as other players that are on the board. Good stuff. Thanks, good stuff, man. Thank you for the call. I do appreciate you. And uh, yeah, I agree, man. That's that's part of the issues. And, and when you go back and you look at the Raiders in in uh, in, in twenty twenty one, a lot of the issues that they had had to do with lack of depth. And the reason why they didn't have that depth, that quality depth, is because they didn't get the players that they needed when they had all that draft capital. You know, you've got to be able to build the cupboard up. You've got to be able to be comfortable with allowing a really good player to walk because you know you have really good players behind them. Unfortunately, the Raiders didn't hit on enough draft picks to to fill that cupboard. I mean, that's just the bones, bare bones reality of it. They just didn't hit on enough draft picks. If you hit on those picks, you have a lot of depth on your team and that was the idea behind it and in theory on paper it looked good but we all know in theory and on paper doesn't get it done like my grandmother used to say just because it looks good and feels good don't mean it is good it took me a few years to understand what that even meant but I realized what it means now and obviously that's how it ended up shaking out 338 is the time we're supposed to have Connor Orr but he texted me and let me know he was in a meeting so I don't know if he's going to join us but we got some really good texts and I want to get to him especially because once again, DeMond is being called out. Once oh, again, brother. yesterday he was called out because he didn't believe in momentum. Oh, brother. And he used momentum in a question to Paloma when we were talking to her about UNLV while he was trying to hope his running Rebels could get some momentum as they're uh, going through their schedule right now. But there's another question that is being posed to me here on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187. Something else that DeMond said that people are finding a little interesting. I'm going to need you all to get off my case. We're going to talk about your case, and we're going to talk about it next. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. As we get ready to wrap up the show, I got a little nugget about the Cowboys that I'll pass along, and then I got to pull and call DeMond out in just a few minutes. But before we get to any of that, I want to bring on to the show Connor Orr from SI.com. And, Connor, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you making a little bit of time for us this afternoon. Wanted to talk to you about the piece that you put out on SI about the coaching carousel and ranking them one through eight. What went into – what was the formula that went into the, your rankings and what you, were, what you used for this piece? Yeah, so, you know, I think what I tried to do was I tried to make an objective breakdown of this because every coach is different, right? Every coach is going to want different things, and so I kind of tried to combine some factors there. What does the salary cap situation look like? What is the roster? What is the quarterback you're inheriting? What's the owner like? What's the area like to live in? All that kind of stuff. And so um, Las Vegas came out as number one for me, but that tracks with some of the insiders that I talked to during this coaching process where – you know, I was talking to some of these guys about these jobs, and, and they were saying, you know, listen, uh, as surprising as it sounds, Las Vegas is going to be the job that everybody wants. 
Mets. They've got a good roster. It's a great place to live. It's a good, friendly income tax situation. I mean, you have a win-now veteran quarterback, and so it was uh, surprising but also not so surprising that I think they came uh, they came out number one. Do you feel like this is a situation here in Vegas that not only uh, is going to be attractive for a potential head coach uh, but also the potential GM because, as we know, Mike Mayock is officially out of his uh, his job as the GM? For sure. I mean, I think it all depends on what Mark Davis wants to do and how he wants to run things. I mean, he was able to land a, a quality candidate the last time he had an open GM search in Reggie McKenzie. And so I think that that shows that he's got an acumen for picking personnel executives. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if he lands a solid candidate here. I think there's some, uh, there's some people that would definitely be licking their chops for that job. I mean, just to have Max Crosby on that contract, to, to have some of these younger guys on there. I think they're going to be in good shape for quite some time, and, and Derek Carr costs next to nothing now. And you know, a lot of people were complaining in the article saying you have their salary cap situation rated higher than other teams, and they have less cap space. But you also have Derek Carr in such a competitive salary slot right, right. there. Yeah, no, it's like nineteen million dollars for uh, uh, his salary next year, which is nothing. I mean, that's nothing for a quarterback these days. So you're right; it's in a it's in a really good situation. Again, we're talking with Connor Orr here on Unnecessary Roughness Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. Ed Dodds, he's in Indianapolis with the Colts. He's one of the guys his name has been floated out there with multiple teams. He turned down the Bears the other day. Last year, he turned down the Panthers. He's a guy that you, you kind of feel like is going to really pick the right situation. I don't know how much you know about Dodds, but do you think that potentially the Raiders would be a good situation for him? Yeah, I mean, any I'm picking anybody from the Colts right now. I mean, I've heard this dating back three combines now, like, there were people that were in meetings with Colts people that came out and got to see the way that they do things, and they just said they're going to change the way that people scout, that people set up their organizations, that people do all this stuff. And while the success necessarily hasn't been there on the field, I think there's been some bad bounces of the balls there and you know whatever you want to call it. I mean, certainly some quarterback play issues that they just can't seem to resolve, but that's not on the general manager there. That's just a lack of talent at the position, but... I think I would draft. I, I I would take somebody from the Colts just because I think that they're doing things better than other people right now. It's just a smarter franchise. So then I've got to ask the follow up now. <laughs> so is it about the way they're handling the cap? The the are they hitting on mid round draft picks, late round draft picks, the first round? What is it about the Colts that they they are doing different or and better than other teams? You know, it's like it's like the Forty ers stuff that I heard about the Forty ers a couple of years ago when Kyle Shanahan got there where. There's a direct pipeline, right, between the coaching staff and the, and the GM and the scouting staff where everybody understands the classifications, the qualifications, the kind of players that they're looking for. And so, you know, whereas scouts would just go out in a lot of other organizations and bring you back examples of good players, they're bringing back examples of players who are going to fit directly into what they do, and thus you can pipeline them a lot faster on the field, get them more successful quicker. And so I think that that's sort of the way that we're going to see a lot of these teams pivot where, you know, for example, the 49ers, you know, Debo Samuel might not have been everybody's number one wide receiver, but he was the best yards after catch guy in college football. And so that's what Kyle Shanahan wants. He wants to create yards after the point of reception. And so that's what he wanted and that's what they found him. And I think the Colts are really the same way. Connor, getting back to the coaching carousel, and, and as far as the Raiders are concerned, you know, we were talking to some other guys, and they were saying that uh, it, it's a good situation in Vegas, but then again, the Raiders play in the AFC West, so you have to play the Chiefs a couple times. You have to play Justin Herbert and the Chargers a couple times. Whatever goes on in Denver, how much of that, the, the division, how much of that went into the consideration in this piece? Well, I mean, it's certainly a factor, but I think if you're a coach, it's like you can't really think about that for too long. I mean, I've seen a lot of 
how many great coaches have we seen take jobs in the AFC East, you know, over the years? And it's just like, you know, for some reason, I think some of them relish that opportunity, right? I want to be the guy to shut down Patrick Mahomes. I know how to shut down Patrick Mahomes. And so I, I think that that's certainly part of the qualification, but things change so quickly now in the NFL, and veteran movement is such that, you know, what, whereas we always said Tom Brady's going to be in New England forever, you know, I'm not reporting this, but who knows how long Patrick Mahomes is going to be in Kansas City. Right. Everyone thought Andrew Luck was still going to be with the Colts, and I think that you can't, you can't take a job based on that being the, the number one determining factor. Do you like the, the direction, not the direction, but the way that the Raiders seem like they're handling their business where it looks like they're going to go and, and probably find the GM first and then make a, a final decision on the head coach? Yeah, because you can't do it the other way around. I mean, it's just that we, you know, every single power structure that we've seen that's tried to marry those guys, with the exception of the Seattle Seahawks, has failed miserably, and it's tough. I mean, unless you, you know, Mark Davis is certainly an active owner. He's uh, he's not one that I would put in the aloof category. So I think he could pull it off because he's got boots on the ground there and he can see how everything's working. But a lot of these other teams that try to do it, the owner's never in the building. He doesn't know what's going on, and then he basically has two people telling on the other ones uh, throughout the course of the season. And so I've always preferred to just bring the GM in and, and let everybody walk in hand-in-hand, hand, but uh, you know, every team does it a little bit differently, I guess. In your opinion, what are the chances that Jim Harbaugh leaves college and goes to the NFL? Not necessarily saying the Raiders, but comes back to the NFL. I think if he gets an offer, I think he would go. Um, you know, I don't think this is necessarily him trying to draw salary out of Michigan. I think that you know, from people I spoke to, it seems like he's, you know, he's accomplished all he can accomplish at, at the University of Michigan, right? Like, what else can you do besides beat Ohio State in a year and make it to the playoffs where you're going to get clubbed by one of the three teams that have all the good players? I mean, that's just the reality of college football, whereas he comes back to the pros, and I think that he could take a team to it. You know, everybody has a legitimate shot at, at turning things around in a year or two and making a Super Bowl run. All right, Connor, so you think that the Raiders, are they're the most attractive destination to land, but which coach do you think would fit best with the Raider organization? I mean, Harbaugh, I think, is a great option. I mean, I think that he is um, someone who has that attitude. I think he fits, I think he would fit in well um, with that, with the fan base. I think he plays well um, in that area, in that market. He's familiar with Mark Davis, which I think um, is important there, but uh, there's a couple names I like there. I think not a lot of people are talking about Don Martindale, the Ravens defensive coordinator. I think that he they would do well to bring him in, have him upgrade that defense. Um, you know, Matt Eberflus is another one from mm. the Colts where he's getting a ton of interviews yeah. right now, and I think that he can take a defense and reimagine it. He doesn't necessarily have a system, but uh, he he has a lot you know a lot of great ideas in terms of what can make it. You know, what he did with that Colts team before they got DeForest Buckner was uh, was incredible. I mean, it was you know beyond incredible. So I think um, he's a great option there. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's tough. This is not your typical market where there's a lot of star-studded guys here. I think you're going to be picking between, you know, some second-chance candidates, guys who've had jobs before. Right, no doubt about it. And, Connor, before we wrap this up, i got a couple names I want to and get your thoughts on him. One, a guy who just got fired, but I think he's a hell of a coach, and that's Brian Flores. He gets fired in Miami. I think he's going to have multiple options of where he can go this year and be a head coach, but what were your thoughts on him getting fired in Miami, and where do you think he lands? I personally am staying away from Patriots coaches at this point, and I think Brian <laughs> Flores is a great coach, but just everywhere that they go, there seems to be a realization that they can't run things the way that they want to run them or the way that they run them in New England. And so there's all this politicking, there's all this backtracking. I mean, all the staff changes that Matt Patricia went through in Detroit and then Brian Flores in Miami. And, 
you know, there just seems to be this immediate unhappiness and uncertainty and, you know, you need more from ownership. You need them to fire this guy and that guy to bring in more Patriots people. And I just think it's a, it's a slippery slope, whereas we've seen other coaches come in with no pretenses. Look at Sean McVay just walk in from Washington and turn that team into a powerhouse. And I think I'm more inclined to look in that direction. Well, I guess that rules out the next guy I was going to ask you about. I was going to ask you about offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels. I know there hasn't been a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of burn around his name this offseason. Usually it's every year you hear about his name. But I was actually kind of surprised that we haven't heard his name so much. Is it everything that you just explained kind of the reason why you think that we're not hearing his name? No, I mean, I think that part of it was backing away from the Colts job. I mean, mm-hmm. that was just a nuclear option at that point for him. And, you know, while I think his name has definitely gotten some star rise again with Mac Jones, it wasn't an exceptional playoff performance. Josh McDaniels would be the one guy that I would probably pick in terms of Patriots offense, but that's because when you hear about the way that he would plan on doing things for the second chance, it's not necessarily I'm building Patriots part two. Like I think he's got a lot of options being in Denver and St. Louis and being in all these other places, I think really helped him gain a broader perspective on, uh, on coaching and, and give him some, some better options. I, that might be true for a lot of these guys, but I think that he would be a great second time head coach. I don't necessarily know if somebody's going to, you know, hard swallow enough there though, to get that thing down the aisle, because that's, uh, you know, after he did that to the Colts, you, you, you have to be nervous. You have to be, uh, you know, uh, weary of the fact that he might do it to you again. Oh yeah. That's the bride that might run. <laughs> I mean, as simple as that. that, that's the one that you got to get down the aisle fast, man. I do. <laughs> I do. And you do. We're good. So, uh, Connor, great stuff as always, my man on Twitter at Connor or what you got coming out on SI.com that folks should be on the lookout for. Well, we're on our way to all the playoff games this weekend, so uh, be sure to keep it uh, keep it there. I mean, we're going to have great stuff. We're going to podcast up on uh, on Monday morning, first thing. ton of stuff from all the games live. I'll be in Nashville, so uh, be nice. sure to be on the lookout for that. Well, you just intrigued my man, Damon. You said Nashville. He's a big Tennessee Titan fan, so he's now he's fired up. So I think he's got something coming towards you now. Hold on. Yeah, just enjoy yourself. That's all. <laughs> just enjoy yourself. <laughs> he feels confident about Will this be. win. How, how do you feel about this game, this this Tennessee Titan game? What, do, what are your thoughts on this one? I don't know. I mean, I think that everybody is, just, you know, the Bengals are either going to make it to the Super Bowl at this point, or I think that they're due to hit that brick wall. And I just wouldn't bet against Mike Vrabel having a bye week and being able to get in there and watch that uh, the Bengals Raiders game and not have some idea of how to stop Joe Burrow. I mean, I just think he's I just think he's one of the best coaches in the league. I think that, that not enough people are talking about how talented he is and how deep that staff is. And so I, I would just be wary of assuming you could walk in there and run over the Titans. Well, there you go. You just made DeMond's day. Connor, thank you so much, my man. I appreciate you making some time. Great stuff as always. Enjoy the games this weekend. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks a lot. All right, there he goes, Connor Orr. That's a great way to close out the show right there. We had to think, make, make them slight changes with the time and everything, but it worked out perfect. 3.57 is the time. Uh, wrapping up the show right now, many thanks to everyone who called in, texted in, all the guests that we had, and Damon. Who said he didn't know who PM Don Man, was? We're out of time, Q. You yeah, got you're Q. lucky. We got Vinny's up next. We he go. said he didn't know who PM Don was, but he started talking about Boomerang, and PM Don is definitely on the soundtrack for Boomerang. And I, I even that. forgot about that. I knew that. Obviously not. Every day we find you getting caught up in something. We got a text that said, "Demond be a hater just to be funny sometimes." <laughs> I think they're right too. I think they're right. Demond just finds a way to make himself look silly. 
I mean, believe me, he don't need a lot of help to look silly. <laughs> I have to look at him every day. He looks plenty silly. But Vinny is up next in the huddle, 4 to 6 p.m. I'm just talking mess. I'm messing with my guy. We'll holler tomorrow. It's Unnecessary Roughness on Red Nation Radio 920.